Yeah, something you should know. On Monday, I, I sent Louisa an email and said, hey, that's a song written for students, by students. It needs to be done by a student. So last minute, Caden jumped in. He did, yeah. he, did, he did that on short notice. Now, I don't know if you were listening carefully to that song. I hope you were. There's a line that was repeated several times. Why should society determine who I am? It's a great question. It, it was responded in that song with, I know there's got to be another way. There's got to be a higher way. I want what's right. I want what's true. I actually think there is a hunger for truth in the hearts and minds of every person. Even students want to know what's real, what's true. And there's a lot of ways to find that. Uh, one of the ways that you can find something that's true is somebody can tell you the truth. It's maybe the easiest way. Somebody, somebody tells you that, but if you, if you rely on that system, that has to be a trusted voice who gives you that information. Because the world that we live in, they, they will tell you what you should do, and they'll try to sell you on the authority that they have for you to listen to them. It's because I'm smarter. It's because of the position or the power that I have that you should listen to me. And that's enough. And we know that just because you hold those places doesn't mean that the truth you give is better. And so there are other ways to find truth. One of those that's very popular in our culture right now is experiences. It's true, you can learn that way, but there's a reason they call it the school of hard knocks. Like, you're probably going to end up having learned something, but there'll be some bruises, there'll be some scars, it's going to be hard along the way. And part of the problem is, you, you can still end up, have you ever seen this? Like somebody makes a mistake and then they make it again and they make it again and they make it again because it's possible for you to have an experience and you learn the wrong thing. Because every experience that you have has to still be interpreted through a lens. And if you're listening to the culture who doesn't have the right values, has got some things skewed in it, and they're telling you how to interpret your experience, and it's wrong, you could end up really messed up. Now listen, I, I know there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of different ways to find truth. I'm boiling it down to make it simple for where we're headed today. There's a third one that I want to talk about. See, it's possible that the experience isn't yours that you learn from. You, you look at somebody else's life. You look at the fruit that's happened from their choices, what they're doing, how they're doing it. And then, based on that, you understand this is a trusted source. This is somebody that I could listen to. And, and because of that, you, you, have, you have this backup system where you actually get to see it displayed in their life before you take the advice. Now, I'm, I'm highlighting all of these because we're in a parenting series. I know all of you aren't parents. I know you're all not actively doing that kind of stuff. My guess is that you're involved with somebody who is, or maybe you have grandkids, or you're friends with somebody who had kids. Maybe you work with kids. What's nice about today is a lot of the truths that we're going to talk about are actually transferable into other parts of your life. You, you could use this all over the place. 
So if I, were, if I were going and I was evaluating how to make decisions in my life based on those three sources, I would look at you and say, listen, from what I can tell, the most trusted voice in the world is the voice of the Holy Spirit that God left to inform and engage you. It's why we've spent weeks at time talking about how do you identify that voice I hope you'll have the courage to follow it when you hear it so you can create a habit in your life where the most trusted source in the universe is giving you wisdom, where you're putting yourself in the scriptures and you're exposing yourself to something that the Holy Spirit could nudge you on, move you on, help you get a better understanding of how the world works, the best source. And this experience thing that we do, I would say that's, I would go back to that. If the, the best place for you to interpret your experiences is through the use of the Holy Spirit in your life to say, I wish you would have taken this away from this experience. We love them. We love experiences. People are doing them all day long and collecting the shirts that go with them. But are they stopping long enough to evaluate what God sees in that and what you should do? Now the third one, the third one, kind of lines up with what we're talking about. If I, were to, if I were to pick a system that God appears to be using to make this third way work, where it's kind of a combination of the other two, experience and some wisdom being shared with you, told to you, I would say that sounds a lot like parenting. That sounds a lot like parenting. That's an opportunity for you to put your life on display up close and in front of somebody else. And based on how you've chosen to live, there will be credibility in your words that, you, that when you speak, they'll be able to evaluate and know, man, this is, this, I could have the kind of life that you have. I could have the kind of peace that you have. I could have that based on just listening to you. I probably should listen to you. And most parents in here would love the thought of their kids just choosing to listen to them. How's that going for you, right? What I found was that they thought I was too old, they thought I was clueless and they knew more, and that they could um, make wiser and better decisions on their own. Now here, this is, this is what I love. I've heard this from a lot of people. Not, it's not just my experience. I have experienced this too. And I imagine many of you have if you're older like me. I've had kids come back in their 20s and say, you were right. I had no idea. I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, I didn't know how hard it was, the things that you were doing. I, I appreciate that now. And, you know, as gratifying as that is, there is something in the back of your mind that says, I wish you would have picked this up at age five, right? That, I needed that earlier because it wasn't getting us what we wanted. Now, listen, the scriptures actually promote this kind of interaction. They would look at kids, students, if you're here. I'm going to just give you three quick ones. There's more. There's more, but I want you to hear what the scriptures have to say. Proverbs 1.8, listen, my son, to your father's instructions. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. 4.1 Proverbs, listen, my son, to your father's instructions, pay attention and gain understanding. And probably our favorite, our favorite verse in the Bible for parents, 
Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents in everything, for it pleases the Lord and your parents, right? It pleases the Lord, and does that verse bother anybody? Does the word everything kind of hit you weird? Obeying everything. The, the, the problem I had is I, I think of the mistakes that I made, the choice that I made, and then I look at some other parents, and I, and I believe the technical term for them is they're knuckleheads, right? They, they are so messed up. The values that they're trying to teach their kids or inform them of are so off kilter that it's a mess, and yet there's an instruction for everything. Well, let's, let's not get sideways because God's not going to let that stand without some more instruction, and we're going to get that in a little bit. But I want you to understand that this idea repeated over and over and over in the text. I want you to listen to your parents. I want you to gain understanding from them. I want you to do this. There is a process for this that's talked about in the scriptures. It's a process that's actually pretty simple to understand. It's just that there's a lot of misunderstanding with it. It's this simple. The process is discipline. Discipline. And in almost any other way that you use it, people hear that word and they think positively of it. I was watching the Notre Dame Navy game two weekends ago, and the broadcasters were constantly commenting about how Notre Dame could not let down for a second because the team they were playing was so disciplined. And they said it like a compliment. Like, this is a good thing for you to have, is a team that's well-disciplined. On Wednesday night, we had a men's Bible study, and we were talking about life that was going on, and one of the guys kind of revealed that he had lost 30 pounds, and everybody was like, how did you do that? And he started talking about the discipline that he had in his life for some of the choices that he was making, and everybody seemed to be really happy about that. They're like, wow, that's awesome, that's great, I wish I could do the same. But the second you bring up discipline, and it's connected to parenting, People are like, eh, I don't know if we should do that or not. In fact, I went out and looked. I wondered what they were like presenting in material these days. There's a big category out there for parenting help. Positive discipline. Those are the resources. All kinds of positive disciplines. Why? Because there was an assumption that most of the time when you discipline, it's not good. Where in the world do we end up with this disconnect? It's good everywhere else but parenting. I don't know, maybe you had an experience like me. So I'm a teenager. Uh, I grew up on a farm-like experience. It was a camp, but we did a lot of farming. And I worked with my dad. And I was trained by my dad from when I was young to always look ahead and to clear out problems that were coming. So you were, you were constantly looking ahead. If you could see a problem that would slow down the process that we were doing, you fixed it so everything could keep moving smoothly. This is just the way it was. And we all kind of did this as kids. And there was one day, we had just finished up in the fields. Uh, we had got done doing some hay. The last load came in, and there were so many bales it wasn't worth sending another wagon out, so we just overstacked this wagon. It was really high. 
And it was getting pushed into the barn because we had to unload it onto the elevator up into the hay mile. We were getting ready to do all of that. But the bales were so high, they were about to hit the side of the barn, the entrance of the door, and they were going to break some stuff. And um, normally, I would see this, and I would have solved this a long time ago because that's, that's what I was trained to do. But that day, my, I was working with friends, and we were having a good time, and we were joking around. I was there with my friends. I had a mentor of mine who was there who was in his mid-20s. He was a little older and a good friend of mine. And all of a sudden, my dad saw that this problem was happening that was going to have to, like, we're going to have to stop and waste a bunch of time because I wasn't paying attention earlier. And he lit into me in front of all of my friends. And here's what I did. I figured out what he was talking about. Oh, the hay. Yeah, I should have gotten that. I scrambled up. I threw the bales off, and I came back down. And I would have gone on with my life and never recalled this story to even tell you except for what happened next. So a few minutes later, this mentor friend of mine pulls me aside and says, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. I, had, I was lost. I, like, I wasn't injured. I had no idea why he was asking. I, I was very confused. And I was like, yeah, what's happening? And he's like, man, your dad was pretty harsh. He was pretty angry, and he kind of just lit you up in front of everybody. Are you embarrassed? And I was like, no. I, I saw what the problem was. I went and fixed the problem, and I haven't thought about it since. I know it's only been two minutes, but I will have forgotten about this incident for the rest of my life, except for right now, right? And he's just like, man, I, I don't think that's, that's healthy. I just wanted to make sure you're okay. And I, I honestly, I walked away from that conversation wondering what in the world was that about? Why? Because for me, a lot of the discipline that was associated with that word came with some anger and came with some harshness. Is there anybody else who would say, yeah, maybe I saw a little bit of that, saw a little bit of that when I was growing up, right? No, you're a young kid. You can't raise your hand in front of your parents. Don't do it, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, so I get it. You look at that experience and you go, that's what, that's what it is. It's not good. It's, it's a horrible story. We shouldn't be pursuing that kind of stuff. Well, I want to tell you, the scriptures actually agree with that because I want you to see the next verse right after it tells us children obey in everything. It says this in verse 21. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Now, this was a, a patriarchal society. The authority flowed through dad. But he certainly would have given mom the ability to discipline too and in this culture, it would have been reasonable for you to understand that he was talking to both fathers and mothers. And he says, don't embitter. In fact, it's not the only time something like that gets said to parents. These are a few of the only instructions ever given to parents directly about parenting. Listen, here's another one. Uh, Ephesians 6.4, fathers and mothers, do not exasperate your children 
Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This harsh stuff, this idea that you kind of have free reign, you can go and do whatever you want as a parent, it's not in the text. This idea that you would be angry and harsh and it would be okay or that you would have a standard that's so high that you just keep holding them to and they feel like they could never make you happy. It's it's not okay. That's not the discipline that God had in mind. And if you were paying attention, it's in the second part of that verse in Ephesians chapter 6. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's discipline. That's what discipline is. Discipline is an attempt to find a way to train. And unfortunately, what's happened is there is a second definition. The primary definition of discipline is that you're training somebody with consistency. The secondary one is punishment. And for some reason, when it comes to parenting, we've flipped them. And we've assumed if somebody's talking to us about disciplining our kids, that means they want us to punish them in some way. And what you've missed is that what you're really calling for is find a way to do a couple things. Find out what the value is that you care about, set a boundary with that, and hold to it. That's, that's what you're doing. No, nobody ever thought for a second When those announcers said the Navy football team is a well-disciplined team, nobody thought, oh my word, the coaches are beating them? That, it never crossed their mind. And yet, that's what it's become with parenting, and it should be the same thing. This is the desire to train something consistently in somebody so that they have a, a skill, a value, a tool that they wouldn't have had otherwise. This is hard. This is hard. When you set a boundary for somebody, almost instantly you invite pushback. You invite pushback from a society who doesn't see that boundary the same way you do. You invite pushback from a kid who thinks you're just trying to rob their happiness. That's not what they'd like to do. And so you have to actually put the boundary up with a sense of understanding for why you're doing this, and then you train them. You hold them to it. I wrote this definition down because I love it. Discipline. Discipline is the process of doing something valuable that you wouldn't do naturally. It's the process of doing something valuable in your life That just doesn't come natural. And so you add training, you add discipline, and you do it over and over and over until it starts coming out of your life in a way that something natural would. But it only happens because you're disciplined. From what I can tell, the idea of disciplining kids or your kids right now is kind of going out the window. I'm getting these reports from a lot of different places. Uh, We have a daycare here with a lot of kids. We're seeing things in the daycare at levels and at rates we've never experienced before that all have to do with whether that kid has been trained by somebody before we see them or not. We're getting feedback from teachers in schools who are saying it used to be one 
kid in a class that would be disruptive, and now I've got five or six because they haven't been trained. In fact, it, it appears that what's happening is people are letting somebody else do the training because they don't want to. I don't want to do that. That's hard. And if you go and do any amount of research, you'll find some very popular reasons for why people are choosing to not train, train their kids, discipline them, okay? I, I wrote them down. One, you want to be best friends with that kid. Best case scenario is that by the time they leave your house, you will have developed into a friendship. You, you want that to happen. But a young kid cannot bear the responsibility of being your best friend. That's your responsibility to find some way to engage other people in your life who are your age that you can talk to that can carry the burdens with you. But to put them in that spot, it's unreasonable. And for you to be a best friend with a kid means you can't put up very many boundaries. Otherwise, they're not feeling warm and fuzzy towards you. But that's your role. And if you're not doing it and you're expecting somebody else to do it, it's going to go bad. So you might have to change the way you think about this friendship. Second reason that we're hearing, seeing, it's just easier to let them do what they want. You're not wrong. It's easier right now to let them do what they want. But the older they get, it will become more and more challenging. And by the time they get out into the world, by the way, the world doesn't work this way. There are consequences and boundaries everywhere. And if you release your kids into a world where they believe they can do whatever they want, when they want, they will wreak havoc in their own lives and in the lives of others. And I know it's easier. It's just not better. The last one, probably the toughest. They just wear you down. Right? You, I mean, you did all the work. You, you got the right boundary. You set it in place. And then they started grinding on you. And, and you've got to have a support system. You've got to have some people in your life who can step up alongside you and say, no, that's right, hold the line. You're doing good. Hold the line. You're training them. I know this is hard. I know this is hard. Be consistent. Stay with it. Do the right thing. Hang in there. And when you get tired and you let down and they kind of do what they want, you rely on other people to do the... Listen, we have... We have a lot of great ministries at Waypoint that deal with kids, from the daycare to a children's ministry. We have a youth group and that sort of thing, where we're engaging actively with you, with your kids. None of those were meant to be the primary source for raising your kids. We're just partnering with you. That's, a bit, that's the best we can do. You're the primary driver of this. And the question is How? How do, I, how do I change my thinking about this? I want to take you to a proverb. This is popular. It gets read a lot um, during parenting stuff, and I think it's actually a little bit misunderstood. It's often read as a promise. It's not. Proverbs 22.6. 
Start children off in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And people read that, and they're like, that's a promise that I can hold on to. If I do the right thing, then they are going to turn out this way, and I can do that. No, they're highlighting a process, and this process is you want to create something in them that sticks with them after you're gone. Now, um, this was actually, this proverb was actually tied to nursing a baby. I think I've told you this before, but it's really important for you to have the right picture of this. So if you were having trouble with a baby who couldn't figure out how to nurse, they had this way where they would go out and they would pick up uh, a date that wasn't ripe. It was green. It's not all shriveled up and brown and sweet. It was, it was still green. And they would take and they would squeeze it. And out of that date would come this white, goopy, sour kind of substance. And they would drip that into the mouth of the baby And that baby would react to that sour kind of gross substance by making like a sucking noise and sound with their face trying to get it off of them, and they will latch on. And they're like, gotcha. And what they were trying to do was to create a hunger in that baby because if they could get it started, they know it could work. You You know this works. I know all of you know this works because you have a weird habit from your childhood that you cannot stop. I don't know what it is, but I know you have one. I've told told this many times. Everybody knows what mine is, right? I, I cannot stop myself from cleaning my plate of food. Like, if there's food on my plate, I'm eating it all. I was never allowed to leave the table until my plate was empty. I still do it to this day. And my wife... And my kids, they use that against me. So if they're full and they don't want to eat anymore, they slide it onto my plate. And I don't know why, but I'm like the human garbage disposal. I'm like, I guess I'm going to eat that. I got to eat it. I can't leave the place yet. Right? I'm like, stop that. You're not helping me. (laughs) I can't help myself. Listen, if it happens with something silly like that, Why can't you create a hunger for more important things? It doesn't doesn't mean that for sure this is going to take and they're going to live this certain way, but you're planning in something inside them that when stuff gets rough, they're going to come back to it. They're going to remember that. They're going to understand that. And this is a process that you could be involved with. You figure out what your value is. You set a boundary for it. You hold the line for that. And then there's some, something else that you could do. In fact, something else that you must do. I don't, I don't know if it's just values that you maybe set. You, maybe um, you can also have like character traits that you think are really important. I don't, I don't know what it is that you think. Don't make a list of 20. Make a list of a few things that you think you can pull off, that you can pass down with this way. Otherwise, everything becomes a major issue. I had... Um, my kids uh, tell this story. Some of them still do, not realizing that it's now considered politically incorrect. It wasn't then. There's no intent of horrible stuff behind all of this. My kids will sometimes tell their friends that I used to say that they were my personal slaves. Now, the only reason they said that is because they were. And um, they did chores without pay, They helped me on projects around the house. They would go on mission trips 
where they would work. I actually had an eight and a seven-year-old son come to me. They came to me as a tandem thinking they could wear me down, I guess. I don't know. But they came and asked for an allowance. Like, am I a sugar daddy? Get a job. Like, what are we talking about here? And they're like, we're eight. We can't get a job. I helped them go get a paper route. And I did it with them for three years. Why? Because I knew how important it would be for them someday to work. There's value and purpose and meaning where you can intersect your life with what God has for you in that place. But if you don't work hard, you could miss it. So I decided that that would be one of the things that they would learn. And sometimes my kids will get compliments on their work and they're confused by it because they're like, Dad, I'm only doing my job. I don't understand why they think this is a big deal. It's just work. Just go to work. It was a value that you had. But here's how it got established. You set the value. You hold to the value. You set the boundary. And then there's this part. This is Proverbs 12.1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But whoever hates correction is stupid. If I were to uh, put my finger on one of the silliest things that I see parents doing is they go through all the effort to identify a value or a character that they think is important. Then they put a boundary in place and they hold to the boundary. And then when it gets pushed on and it gets questioned, their answer to why that boundary exists is, because I said so. Do you understand that you have just been given an opportunity to grant some knowledge. This is the whole reason, the whole reason you put this boundary up, is there's something in you that you think there's purpose behind this, there's meaning behind this. I want you to know what that is. And instead of asking or answering their question and responding to it in a way that helps you paint the picture for why you have this passion for God, why do you want them to have this value in work, Why do you want them to have this other skill? Why is this important? Instead of doing that, you erase any meaning or purpose behind it with just because I said so. And in fact, I think you could end up embittering that kid, which is the instruction. They they never understand why. And without understanding why, there's a chance that they end up stupid, Hating the boundaries that are put in place in their lives. Hating the discipline that could have been benefiting them. If you're going to do all of that work of figuring out what a value or a character trait, the boundary that you want to have in place, and then you're going to hold to that boundary, then you ought to follow it up with explaining that as often as you can. This is why I have this boundary. This is why this is in place. I have this here because it's, it's meant to help you, to guide you. And I want you to take this away from it. What I have found was that I, um, because my dad raised us with anger, I started raising my kids the same way. just thought it was normal. I, I, was just, I would harsh it out. They would have to deal with it and get over it. And luckily, God put me with a really great woman who said, it's not okay, right? And over time, 
I was able to start mellowing. And I think this process helps in the mellowing process because I had a purpose behind what I was doing. And when I had to do something difficult, it didn't have to be done with anger. I actually had a moment. My kids were older, and we were having trouble with one of our sons. And he, wasn't, he just wasn't getting a boundary that we had put in place. And uh, we were kind of at the end of our rope, like, we have to emphasize how important this is. We've got to do something. And we concluded that the best thing for us to do was to remove the door from their room to communicate, you're in our house, we're kind of in control. And when I took the door off of his room, I didn't do it in anger. I did it in determination because I knew the value that was at stake. And instead of ranting and throwing the door and all of that sort of thing, it led to conversations And we had some really great conversations where he looked at me and said, listen, if you'll find a way to talk to me this way, I'll probably hear you. And I I figured out a way to start talking to him the way he needed to hear it. And we started moving forward again. It opened up a conversation and we got somewhere. Why? Because I was committed to training even when it got hard. And instead of using harshness, found a different tool to use instead. Here's the truth. We started with a song that asked the question, why should I let society determine who I am? Do you realize society will determine who your kids are unless you get involved in the fight? Unless you decide what values, what character, what important things that you care about you're willing to train to help them do what they would not naturally do on their own, they will be. They will be trained by the world they live in. But God put you in an honored place, put you in a place where you could reveal your life to them, you get to explain your whys to them, you get to hold the boundary out of love for them. You get to do all of that, and you can, because God wouldn't have given you that position if he didn't think that you could. It's not just that you can, you must. If you don't do this, somebody else will train your kids. It's your role. God gave it to you for a reason. What's it time for you to do? Can I pray? God, grateful that the scriptures talk about you and us this way. You actually discipline us. It's not this wild punishment thing that's a free-for-all. This is you putting up boundaries and holding us to it. This is convicting us when we cross a line. This is, this is slapping us on the wrist and making us realize, man, I shouldn't have talk that way, and you're doing it not out of some anger and vengeance thing, but because you want the best for us. God, you have these boundaries that you hold us to. So I ask that you would give us courage as parents to step into this difficult, this difficult world 
with our kids and to figure out where is the boundary? What, is, what can I do in this situation? How do I hold this boundary to the best that I can? How do I find support that helps me not wear down and wear out? What's the best way for me to explain why I care so much about this to my kids so that they'll understand the purpose behind this boundary? God, all of this is wrapped up in this idea. I ask that you would give us courage. Courage to set values and character that matter because somebody else will if we don't. Help us to be who you meant for us to be. Parents who guide and shape through discipline. Give us wisdom, we ask in Jesus' name.